Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this moment. We pray that you breathe on us, Lord. You give us life, Lord. And speak your word into our hearts, Lord. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, good evening. Um, it's a first time for me, so if I bubble a bit, just ignore it. <laughs> yeah, it's so lovely to be in your midst, and tonight I will be bringing the word of God to you, and we'll be looking at beacons of hope. Um, praying through these scriptures, I um, felt led to speak about these beacons of hope. We're looking at the book of Philippians, um, Paul's epistle to um, the brethren in Philippi. I'll just give a brief history um, background. Um, it's, Philippi was a Roman colony um, and the main city in Macedonia. And so Paul was writing to the brethren that um, he had led to Christ and had the church he had built in Philippi. And so um, he was writing from prison. And the book of Philippians has been sort of themed in four um, aspects of joy. So when you read through the first chapter, um, a message comes across as joy in all circumstances. You should be joyful in all circumstances. In the second chapter, he sort of was talking about joy in servitude. When you serve, serve with joy. And then in the third chapter, he was talking about joy in faith and then joy in giving in the fourth chapter. Um, so a couple of weeks back, I think it was two or three weeks back, we had the um, international um, group meeting and we were talking about the difference between joy and happiness and joy being inward, not um, with the circumstances that surround you as happiness is, but from within the heart. So tonight we are looking at the second part of the second chapter in Philippians and the first part had been looked at and where Paul was using the example of Jesus Christ as a servant who was so humble, served with humility, obedience, even to death on the cross, and then God glorified him. And after he talked about Jesus Christ with a lovely poem that he um, um, wrote in the first half, the first 11 verses, I think it's from six to 11, he came to the second half, and in this half he spoke Having spoken briefly about himself, he talked about Timothy and Epaphroditus. And he was using them as examples, bringing it home that these are people you know and looking about how service should be. And having done that, Paul now came down to emphasize his message. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, um, yes. Thank you very much, Nathan. We are both doing it for the first time, so yeah. <laughs> now, Paul said, follow me, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. That's a very bold statement. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. It's very, it's very deep. Sometimes we tell our children, do what I say, you know. <laughs> And tonight we'll be focusing on two verses. 
verse 12 and verse 13 of chapter 2, and that's where I will um, speak on briefly. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence, but now much more in my absence, oh, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. And I pray God gives us insight in Jesus' name. I want to play a little game with you before I go further. Very simple game. I love it. And you're going to follow my instructions very carefully. Okay? Touch your nose. Touch your eyes. Touch your ears. I can see that some people are getting a bit. <laughs> so the tendency is to follow what we do rather than what we say. So even though I'm very clear, we all know what the eyes are and the ears, but because you see me doing something different, you're thinking, which should I do, what he said or what he's doing? And just like Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Um, our children are the greatest um, examples that we would have of doing things we do rather than things we say. Even though we try to emphasize it every time, go to bed at 8 o'clock, but you know, we have to wait till 10 p.m. so that you know, we make sure they go to bed. But they say, but dad, you're not in bed. And I'm like, yes, go to bed <laughs> at 8. I mean, you should go to bed. Paul could speak with a lot of confidence, and that's because his words could match his deeds. And in, first, in Philippians 1.12, it says, um, filled with the fruits of righteousness, I mean, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. So Paul was speaking from prison, suffering, and it's easy to talk about people going through challenges when you are not. But when you're in the midst of it, I think it hits home more. So Paul was going through things that he was telling them, do as I do and not just as I say. And it's only when we can imitate Christ, we can boldly say, imitate me as I imitate Christ. When Paul was speaking to the Ephesians, he said to them, do not serve with eye service. Serve diligently. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. And in 1 John chapter 3, verse 18, there's a passage there that says, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. So the reason why I focus so much on this first half is because when you look at how Paul started that 12 and 13, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but even while I'm away, Paul was calling them to continue what they have been doing, what he has seen them do. It's very easy for us to do things when Tom is here and um, 
when he's not, we sort of, you know, go about our things, but we want to, you know, have this good impression in front of you. And Paul was saying, even though I'm not there, still do what I've seen you do. The second half of that statement, Paul went on in verse 13. Um, his no, second part of verse 12 said, continue to work out your salvation with fear and with trembling. When we consider the world today, many of us feel tired, especially with things we see around us. I mean, the wickedness that is all around can be so palpable that you start to wonder how terrible man can be. And when Peter, James, and John went up the mountain, they saw the transfiguration and everything, and they were so awed by it. They said to Jesus, it's very good that we are here. But Jesus sort of said, yes, it's good, but the work is down there. Let's go back there. And many times when we are in the presence of God, I remember when I first um, gave my life to Christ and started the journey, Christianity, you kind of feel why isn't rapture happening now that I am, you know, hot and on fire before things really go downhill? And you're kind of praying every day, God, let your kingdom come and let me just, you know, be raptured. We tend to have that comfortable zone that we feel, yes, we are ready now. We don't want to get ruffled up in the whole muddy water. And it got to a point in Elijah's ministry that he had run so hard, he had stood so much, he had done so much. And it was so overwhelming to him that he ran and ran and went to the mountains. And when God said, what are you doing here? He said, I'm the only one left. There's no one else. So most times we carry so much burdens and God was telling Elijah, I've got 7,000 more. It's not just you, but I know how you feel. And the truth is that a lot of us feel that way. We carry so much burden. And the truth, the truth is that the burden is heavy, but unfortunately, it's not us to carry. We carry what we shouldn't. And then we go with all of this load and say, God, why is all this happening? And I was telling someone some time ago that sometimes you're in a place and it feels like you're the only light. And if we look at that scripture that says you are the salt of the world, you are the light of the world, you are the salt of the earth, sorry, you are the light of the world. And I usually use a typical example. I, in Nigeria, we eat a lot of rice. And when you cook a pot of rice, you don't need so much salt to put into the pot, right? If you take a whole bunch of salt and shove it in, it won't be very nice, will it? So God doesn't need so much, so many of us clump together in a dark place. All he needs is just one person. Go lighten that part. You go lighten that part. But then we start to feel the pressure. To whom much is given? Much more is required. I pray God gives insight in Jesus' name. But Paul was saying, 
Continue to work out your salvation with fear and with trembling, even in this wicked world. And I want to go to Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Thank you very much, Nathan. You're really on course. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and perfect will. Most times, it's easy for us to go with the flow, and we just want to, we don't want that trouble. And my dad usually told me when I was growing up, he'll say, he'll say to me, if as a Christian, you don't encounter difficulties or troubles, you might be going in the same direction with the devil, that's why you've not encountered him, because you definitely are meant to encounter him on the way. You know, the first time he started to say that to me, I kept saying, what do you mean? What do you really mean? But when I became a real Christian, when I say real Christian, I, I was a churchgoer for many years, and one day, eventually, I said, God, yes, I surrender all up to that point. Then I understood. He will say to me, if you follow the motion of the ocean, you may miss an ocean. So watch it. If it's too smooth, just check yourself. Not that we, would, we should, I mean, expect it to, you know, always be tough and all that, but you will always be challenged as long as you are trying to go against the tide. Do not conform, but be transformed by renewing your mind. And if there is one prayer, I usually pray consistently. I'll say, Lord, Help me to know what your will is. Give me the courage to do it and the strength to finish it because it's in the end that it really counts. Knowing it is just a start. Doing it is also part of it. It's quite interesting. It's good to do it, but finishing strong and I pray God helps us to stand till the end. The reason why I brought that up is because when you look at the second half of that Philippians that we are looking at, it says, continue to work out your salvation because it is God who works in you to will and to act. You're not working on your own. God works in you to will and to act. And how will you know what you should do when you don't communicate with God? That's one very big mistake many people make these days. And I'm very happy we were dealing with the word of God today and why we should study the Bible. I was talking to the um, youths and I was so excited about the message today. When you look at Psalm 37, Psalm 37, verse four, and upward, scriptures say, Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Many times, we think in our hearts as Christians, not knowing God is speaking to our hearts, because man is a spiritual being, and then God breathing us. So that constant communication should be there. 
But when you do not delight yourself in the Lord, if you look at Psalm 119, the Bible was talking about how a man should delight in the word of the Lord. Um, Psalm 1 was saying, blessed is the man who delights in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. And the more you read and dig into scriptures, the more God starts to unfold things to you. And sometimes, I remember when I was, when I start hearing from God, I will think, I'm the one thinking about these things. And I'm like, what? I just thought about this, and boom, it just happened. When you delight yourself in the Lord, he'll give the desires of your heart, because the desires in your heart are his will that he's letting you know. This is what I'm planning to do. This is what I want you to do. This is what I need to happen. And then you're thinking, ah, I just thought about that, that God was going to bless someone, and it happened. For instance, there was a period um, just, I think it was a couple of months back, I was driving past a place that I have driven numerous times, and I had this flash um, of an accident at a particular spot, and I saw a vehicle there, and I prayed against it, and I said, no, I take away these um, obstacles, and I was really praying. And then I passed the spot, and I came back, but I found an accident there. And I said to myself, oh, I thought that was for me. And I remember I was sharing it with um, one of my prayer partners, and he was like, and I was like, why didn't I strike out all formal? He said, yes, definitely, it was an accident for you, but it was sort of a trap that, and I said, no, 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 I, I wish I took it one step further. At that point, driving past, I just felt, what kind of evil thoughts are these? No. I reject any accidents in Jesus' name. Such will not happen. The point I'm trying to make is that when God starts to speak to you, sometimes it's like just an idea, just a thought, just something passing by. When you delight yourself in the Lord, he puts his desires in your heart and he gives the desires of your heart. That's the point I'm making. Commit your way to the Lord and trust in him and he will do this. And David went on. But Paul was saying, it is God who wills and who will. It's God, sorry, let me not misquote it, sorry. Um, continue to work out yourself for it is God who works in you to will and to do. Continue to work out your salvation by delighting in the Lord. Know his will. Seek to do it. Let that be our passion. Seeking to do his will all the time. When you look at Paul's mission to the Philippians, when you look at Acts chapter 16, I believe it was, yes, Acts chapter 16, Paul did not just wake up one day and say, I think I will go this way. God said to him, this is where I want you to go. And when he got there, he would always go back to God and God will tell him what to do. It's not our decision to make. 
It sounds really um, fanatical. Um, I remember growing up, my dad would say to me, let God be part of every decision you make. If there is one lesson I learned as an adult growing up, if you ask God about everything you do, you will never regret it. And honestly, I have, I've been trying. I can't say, I mean, I'm still quite young, but the little steps I've taken, I have tried. I was seeking a career and I said to God, what should I do? As much as, some, to be as fanatical as my dad wants me to be, he will say to me, did you ask God for the color of coat you're supposed to put on today? And I'm like, what? He said, what if, what if God has said to someone, the guy coming with the blue tie, but you missed that? And I'm like, dad, come on. Even my clothes, I can't, I can't decide on my, and he's like, ask him. I've practiced it sometimes, and the truth is that it's a bit tough <laughs> at first, but when you develop that habit of asking God, you'd realize it feels like some people will say to me sometimes, how come you're so, um, I remember um, one of my friends, he, he, he didn't believe in God, and he would say to me, you've got the big guy on your side. Um, when I was up in Leeds, he always says, well, you've got a big guy on your side. You know, you get to ask him things. I don't have anybody that tells me anything. I just do what I feel like doing. And I'm like, yeah, you can ask the big guy. He will dance at you. And he's like, nah, nah, leave me out of the big guys. And some people will feel you are very smart. You are very wise in your decisions. How did you know you should take this? It's not all rosy. Don't, don't, don't think my life is all rosy. I mean... We, if I don't encounter challenges, then I might be going in the same direction. I mean, I'm still struggling with my bills if I would <laughs> say anything, but that's just that aside. But the point I'm making, which I'm really, really trying so hard to emphasize, is that Paul was making a very simple statement. It's God that is doing the work, even what you will to do and what you do if you continue to work out your salvation, thankfully, Tom talked about working out salvation, I think it was a couple of weeks back. But if we will let God do his work, we'll be surprised how things will go. And further on, with regards to servitude, because we are looking at servitude, and Paul was using Timothy and Epaphroditus, Epaphroditus as examples. One song I learned when I was quite young was J-O-Y, this is what it means, Jesus first, yourself next, and others in between. J-O-Y, J-O-Y, this is what it means, Jesus first, yourself next, and others in between. When you look at things from God's perspective, saying, what do you want me to do? God comes first, and God says, I want you to bless these people, others next, and then you do it, yourself last. So even when you practice the habits in your career, like I'm in, a, um, in my career, for instance, saying, God, what do you want me to do? It's also putting God first, 
others next that he's sending me to, and then myself last. And when you see what Paul was talking about Timothy and Epaphroditus, he was saying, they sacrificed all for you guys, especially Epaphroditus. He almost died. And Paul was later on, I mean, initially using himself as an example and being poured out every day. And the whole concept here is that when it's our desire to honor God, to fulfill his will, we'd realize that we are doing exactly what Paul said in continuing to work out our salvation, putting God first because it's him who has the work, not us. Now, the reason why this is very important now is because the generation in which we are is one that requires so much light, a lot of light. And um, unfortunately, a lot of Christians today are quite comfortable. Not many people are ready to rock the boat um, and try to clump together, but not realizing too much salt in the pot of rice will not taste very nice in that community. So as Christians, what I feel God is saying to us right now is if there is hope for this generation, if there is a future and an end, as God has spoken, so shall my word be, my thoughts for you are to give you a future and a hope. The light that he has placed in our hearts are meant to shine in the difficult darkness that we may find ourselves in. It can be hard, it can be really tough, and it will be really tough because Jesus said, you'll have trials, you'll have tribulations, but be of good cheer, I've overcome them all. All I need you to go to do is go, just go. But you need to know where to go and you need to ask every step of the way. And I pray that God will guide your steps and you will be true beacons of hope. You'll be light in the various places that he has sent you to, and the darkness shall never overcome you. In Jesus' name, amen.